You are listening to The Dan Patrick Show on Fox Sports Radio. Final hour on this Wednesday, Dan and the Danettes, Dan Patrick Show. Covered a lot of ground, a lot of territory here. Spent some time railing on the Packers with the Aaron Rodgers situation. We'll talk to uh, Tom Silverstein. He covers the Packers for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. He had some quotes that had to do with Aaron Rodgers, this whole situation that's going on there. And, uh, you know, it was an interesting column. Uh, he talked about the Rodgers-Matt LaFleur issues and even the GM uh, Brian Gutekunst tipped LaFleur's hand on what the season would look like by drafting a running back, an H-back, and three big interior offensive linemen. They want to be the 49ers of the Midwest. The running game is a big part of the offense, just like it is with the Niners and Rams. And therefore, I don't know, you know what that means by, you're not going to be like the Niners by drafting Jordan Love, but the other players, okay, I get it. That that's what you want to do. That's who you are. Why did you sign Aaron Rodgers to that extension? A very expensive extension. Why did you do it? If you don't like his attitude, uh, you want to send a message to him. You got him for the next two years. No, good luck with that. Also, uh, Guy Fieri will join us coming up as well. He's doing some great things for uh, restaurant workers and uh, wanted an opportunity to be able to tell people about it. So we'll talk to him as well. Charles Barkley was on in the first hour of our show, and he said that the Bulls owner, Jerry Reinsdorf, and not the GM, Jerry Krause, was the main reason why the Chicago Bulls broke up. We looked at Jerry Krause was the villain, and then it... No, he wasn't. No, he wasn't. No, no, no. He was portrayed as the villain because, you know, at the end, because he took it apart. He didn't take that apart. Anybody think that's a fool? That thing was all orchestrated by Jerry Reinsdorf. The notion that that little man broke up the Bulls is <laughs> asinine and absurd. Hey, listen, John, if you go back and look at the and, and use common sense, just use plain common sense, Jerry Reinsdorf broke up the Bulls because he didn't want to pay anybody. That's Charles Barkley from the first hour of the show. And he's right. That's why that Monday I came in after episodes one and two of The Last Dance. And I said, why is it the owner has no blood on his hands for breaking up the Bulls? I can't imagine an owner going to say to his GM, hey, do what you want to do. The owner is the one who has to pay all that money to these players. It was just a financial move on uh, the Bulls part. All right, we'll uh, get to your phone calls, 877-3DP-SHOW. Email address dp at danpatrick.com. Got a couple of stats here. I mentioned that Aaron Rodgers in his career has thrown a touchdown pass to one First round pick. Peyton Manning has thrown or threw 293 touchdown passes to guys taken in the first round. By the way, the player taken in the first round, I don't even believe he was taken by the Packers in the first round. Mercedes Lewis, he was the Jags first round draft pick in 2006. <laughs> that was the TD pass that he had uh, last season to Mercedes Lewis. So this is a guy who was taken... In the first round in 2006, in his first 11 seasons as a starter, Rodgers has had no touchdown passes to a first-round draft pick. File that away for what it's worth, but it seems like he's doing a, a lot more with uh, a whole lot more with little than most quarterbacks. You know, that's probably why Tom Brady goes, uh, wait a minute, why am I doing this? Maybe I could have some fun. Hey, I, look at those receivers Tampa has. Well, that'd be kind of fun to go, oh, the guy's open. Oh, I don't have to throw him open. He's open. 
I can't imagine Aaron Rodgers with this team. In three years from now, when we're doing this, we'll be talking about Aaron Rodgers on a different team. It just feels like that. Feels like, and and you're going to speed up the divorce here. It feels like, or at least try to, in two games versus the Niners last season. So if I take the regular season in the NFC title game, the Packers were outscored seventy-four to twenty-eight. What exactly did you do to prepare your team for that game or that moment? Your offense, no, twenty-eight points in two games. Your defense, you gave up seventy-four. They allowed almost 400 yards rushing and six rushing touchdowns in those two games. That would signal, now they did overachieve, but that would signal, you know, our defensive line's probably not very good. And if we're not scoring points against the Niners defense, which, by the way, was elite, maybe we need a couple of weapons on offense. Not another running back and an H-back and some big offensive linemen. But, hey, what do I know about this? Yes, McLovin. Dan, what is he complaining about? They got him Mercedes Lewis. <laughs> First rounder. Yeah, I know. From 2006. <laughs> See, that's the thing where you go, oh, yeah, he had a first round. He had a first rounder on that team. Oh, who was that? Mercedes Lewis. Drafted in 2006 in the first round. What are you complaining about, Aaron? You got a first rounder. Yeah, Paul. We talked about this last year during the trade deadline. We're talking about teams that should trade for the wide receiver. Remember, it wasn't Sanu went to the Patriots. And the guy that was left was uh, oh, Manuel Sanders. Sanders. That's everyone, I said. Yeah, I said, that's the team. And the Packers pa- got to go get him. You said it last year. You're like, that's the team that needs help because, you know, Devontae Adams, very good player. He just needed help. Yep. That was the guy I went, grab him. You know, when Sanu went to New England, and then I go, okay, Manuel Sanders is going to be available by the Broncos. That's where I thought, if Green Bay got Emmanuel Sanders, all right, at least you have, you know, if I'm facing the Packers, I'm worried about Devontae Adams. Nobody else is really scaring me. Now, they may have some players who develop. Maybe. You know, we didn't know as much about Randall Cobb and Jordy Nelson. You know, we knew Jordy was a great athlete, but we didn't know he would be an all-pro. Randall Cobb was a quarterback in college. So you you have these situations where you go, okay, we can develop those players. It'd be nice to have somebody already developed. Like C.D. Lamb or Ruggs, Judy, I, that's a little bit different, I would think, when it comes to uh, when you open up the pantry there, you know, the Packers offensive pantry, and you go, uh, man, that looks like the same thing we had the last year and the year before and the year before and the year before. Let's check the expiration date on that. Yes, Paul. Like, I like Marquez Valdez Scantling, but I kind of hope he doesn't become a superstar because I can't say that name, <laughs> that name all the time. Brutal. Tom Silverstein, he uh, covers the Packers for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Boy, you got a little drama there in the offseason. Thanks for joining us, Tom. Yeah, yeah. I'm pretty used to that, having gone through the Favre era and even the Mikowski to Favre era. So, yeah, I've been around a a lot of – there haven't been a lot of quarterback switches, but there have been some pretty dramatic ones. If if you're – how would you sum up the last week here? With the Packers? Well, um, you know, I I could be making more of it, but I kind of think that this is the year that Brian Gutekunst and Matt LaFleur sort of take back uh, the organization, that it's been central to Aaron Rodgers. And, you know, Mike McCarthy had a great run and gave Rodgers a lot of leeway during that time. And, now they're they're seeing it as okay. How many more years of this is left? 
and we have to start thinking about, you know, the future. And not only that, you know, Matt LaFleur was not able to really run his entire offense last year. He married a lot of stuff that Rodgers was doing with McCarthy. And I think um, in some ways it reminds me of that scene in Moneyball when, um, you know, the Matt, Art Howe keeps playing the guy he wants to play and Brad Pitt keeps trading the guys away until he only has that guy to play. And so he's sort of like, okay, I drafted a running back. Okay, I drafted a, an H back. And, you know, we have no choice but to run run the ball now because that's our strength. And, and I think that's what he wants to get back to. I think he wants to be a 50% running team. He's, his mentor is Kyle Shanahan. And they drafted a, a H back that looks just like Kyle Usage, and he drafted a running back that looks like Derrick Henry, who he had in Tennessee. So there's there's some changes going on. No, I get that, Tom. But if I have the most talented quarterback of all time, and all of a sudden I'm going to make my team a running team, the reason why the Niners are a running team is because Jimmy Garoppolo is not Aaron Rodgers. You know, the Tennessee is a running team because. They have Ryan Tannehill. You have Aaron Rodgers. That's what I, I don't understand where you go. This is how we beat the Niners. I just gave some stats on what happened in the regular season and the postseason against the Niners. You didn't score and you didn't stop them. So what did you do in the offseason that says, hey, we're going to score more or we're going to be able to stop them? Jordan Love doesn't help you. No, no. He absolutely does not help you right now. But... uh you know, they, they addressed the defense last year. They spent a ton of money and capital and draft picks, and they're expecting it to be better in year two. They expect to be a better defense, although, you know, I think they have to change parts of their scheme to, to do that, but that's a whole other show. <laughs> uh, I, I think what you have is there is their belief – and and you know and and here's the here's the rub to it is that you know we all know Rodgers wasn't happy with McCarthy so you change a coach you have to live with his new the new philosophy you don't get to pick the coach and what his new philosophy is going to be and Matt Lafleur's philosophy is to be have a strong get running game and pass off a of play action but you got to run the ball you know, a good amount of the time in order to get Aaron Rodgers all the really good opportunities of passing the ball. And in that system, they don't, you know, in, in Shanahan's system, even in, in McVay, which are all the same, they, they don't um, stress big-time wide receivers. I mean, 49ers don't have big-time wide receivers. The Rams have good, fast receivers, but they're not you know, all pros. But they spent money, oh. though. They, they spent money on their Brandon Cooks. Like, they, the, the, the Rams spent money and tried to upgrade, you know, Cooper Cup. Uh, you know, the Niners, you can say that maybe, you know, they, they traded for Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, you got Kittle, who's involved in the offense as well. I just, I don't know with, with Rodgers. Is Rodgers there in three years, Tom? Um. Unlikely. I mean, after two years, um, they have been his. So he's here this year. Then two more years left of proration on his 
um, original guaranteed money at, I think it's 13.5 or 14 million per year. So they could do it in uh, after 2021 and still take a little bit of a hit, but not bad. Uh, I think it. I think it all depends. I think that what they're saying is, um, if it's three years, it's three years. But we don't know what's going to be happening in three years. Is he difficult and, to work with, though? Like Rogers, I, I've been around him, but you deal with him differently. Uh, is it real or media created that he is passive aggressive? He's difficult. He's a diva. All the things that you hear. Well. I think that he is established in a lot of the things he does, and he's extremely smart. And it's hard, I think, for people to um, be smarter than him. And, you know, I think that causes some issues. I, I think every quarterback's a diva, you know, just like every wide receiver's a diva. What, what the degree is, you know, Coaches ha- coaches are really reluctant to talk about that, and uh, but I think it's more about can they you know get him to buy in all in on the floor system because I don't think they did that last year. I I think they had a lot of parts that were McCarthy system. You know, I'll give you a couple examples as they run the clock down. You know, Rogers likes to run the clock down to zero because he wants to know what the defense is doing. Yeah. He wants to wants to make them make the first move. So pre read, you know, pre snap he has a read. That's not a real big staple of LaFleur's offense. He likes tempo and he likes to get the ball out, you know, snap the ball. He likes a lot of plays. So that's one thing. Uh you, you know, they want to run a higher percent. They they ran the ball, I think, 60, 62% of the time, something like that. They want to run it closer to 50. So, you know, Rodgers had a lot of leeway in changing plays. I, I just think those are the kind of things that they're trying to implement, and they felt like they had to do it through a message in the draft. Yeah, but it's a me- it's a silly message to send if you got a guy who may not play for three years and you trade up to get a guy. Can't can't you send a message in a different way to Aaron Rodgers? Do I have to draft a quarterback who won't unless he gets hurt? Uh, he's not going to play for a couple of years. It's just I I don't know. Maybe I don't understand well, the front office of the Packers there. So yeah, I, I think. Uh... I'm not defending them. I'm trying to explain what their thinking was. And I think their thinking was, you know, Brian Gutekunst was around when Ted Thompson took Aaron Rodgers. And the end result of that was good. He had a quarterback who became an all-pro and an MVP. And I think if you have the belief that um, Jordan Love is that kind of quarterback, then you have to, you know, you, you are the keeper of the organization. And as a GM, you have to make that move. I don't know if Jordan Love's going to be that guy. He could he could bomb out in, in three years. But this is, I'm trying to get inside Brian Gutekunst's head because he's been through this. And I think they're saying, you know, you only fall in love with a quarterback once and you at Picking at number thirty, you don't get a chance to get a guy like that, and so that's what they were. That's what we're going to do. And 
I, I still think they can win with Rodgers. Well, they over, they overachieved last year, Tom. They weren't a thirteen and three team. I think you know third. No, third, absolutely not. Yeah, and absolutely I think because not. of that, everything went their way. Yes, absolutely. All right, if you can ask Rodgers one question and get an honest answer, what would the question be? Uh, um, I think I think the question would be. Uh, are you willing to go all in on LaFleur's offense and do whatever he says? Because, uh, you know, like I said, he wanted the change, and here you go. That's what happens when, you know, be careful what you want. Sometimes you get a coach with a different offense and a different idea how to do things. So I, I would want to know if he's all in on it. Tom, good to talk to you. We appreciate your time, and uh, congrats on uh, getting, well, whatever you feel like it's a scoop or just a strong inclination here of what's going on with this situation. More to follow, I'm sure, with Aaron Rodgers in the offseason. It feels like every offseason there's something with Aaron Rodgers. But thank you, Tom, for uh, spending some time. You're very welcome, Dan. That's uh, Tom Silverstein. He covers the Packers for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. It sounded like Tom was okay with this. He didn't seem near as bothered by the draft No, I'm I'm more bothered by this for some reason. You don't even live there. I know. I, I, you bring in a coach, and maybe Aaron brought this on himself because you don't get along with Mike McCarthy. All right, make a coaching change. So you bring in a coach who likes to run the football. Does that make sense? If you have Aaron Rodgers, you just signed up that contract extension with a guy who, look, he wasn't, we're not, let's, let's not confuse him with some of the great offensive coordinators of all time. You know, Matt spent time with the, the Rams and he spent time with the Titans Okay, but you're coming in with Aaron Rodgers. I want to know, how do I make Aaron Rodgers greater? And I don't think this system makes Aaron Rodgers better. And I think you overachieved, and I think you come back to earth this year, and maybe, maybe you're a 10-win team. Take a break. Guy Fieri will join us coming up next on Loan from Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives. We're back after this on the Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to the Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 to noon Eastern or 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Dan Patrick Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Guy Fieri is a celebrity host of Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives, and he's uh, partnered with the National Restaurant Association Educational Foundation to raise money for out-of-work restaurant workers. To date, they've raised $21 million. That's paid out in $500 grants. To donate, visit us. Guy joins us now. Guy, I only wanted to have you on for one reason, and that is, how do you pronounce your last name? Fieri. Fieri. Yep. In Italian, E-R and I uh, is Eddie. Fieri. Fieri. So it, the way I explain it to everybody is there's a guy named Eddie, and he's got to pay a fee. There's a fee, Eddie. Okay, because we, I had people in my audience who were saying that I was mispronouncing it. And, and <laughs> my wife's Italian, so I said, no, I, it's Guy Fieri. Yeah, no, you got it right. Okay. You got it right. All right good. I like the intro music, by the way, the, the hangout music that you have going on in the background. Very, very calming, soothing. What do you have behind you? That, that, is that a man cave or your office? With uh, what, what kind of stuff do you have there? Well, it's my office, and that's, uh, I mean, it's collecting. It's all the stuff my wife won't let me have in the house. <laughs> so my office is right off of the kitchen. 
and we built this new house and she said you have to finally move out of the kitchen with all your crap and go sit in your go sit in your own room so i look out to the patio the kitchen's over to the right and those are all my uh you know from different projects they said you know, we make bobbleheads and all that. You know, you look at your collection. Oh, I, know. I should send you the. I should send you this new uh, bobblehead. It'd be perfect. All right. Uh, what's the best piece of sports memorabilia you have in the house? You want me to pick the computer up? Take you over there? Yeah. yeah sure. Yeah. So this is it right here. I think. Well, I think this is it. Kenny Stabler. Oh, that's great. Autograph Kenny Stabler. So Kenny and I were really, were really good buddies. We met because I'm up here in Raider country, and uh, we became really good friends and spent several nights here at the house, well, the old house. And he was the first one. He came into my kitchen, my old house. We're going to tear this out of the wall, by the way. And he took this um, – he, he took and wrote a Super Bowl play on the wall in my kitchen – and then that subsequently led to everybody that was famous sports star or now musician because Sammy Hagar came in and wrote lyrics on the wall. And, uh, oh, that really made my wife happy. So everything is <laughs> sequestered over here. But I got a side Evil Knievel jump picture, Kentucky Derby, but all that. But I'm Raider Nation, so that the Kenny, the Kenny picture is one of the best. Who are some of the other sports stars who have been at your place or you've cooked for them? You know, uh, um, I got to think about it. it. There's been a lot of, I, I'm actually a big music fan as well, but uh, let's see here. Uh, Marcel, I don't know if you know Marcel Reese. Marcel played for, uh, played for the Raiders and had quite a few, uh, quite a few giants up. Um, we're a little bit removed from things. We're about an hour and a half, two hours away from the city. So we don't quite get all of the, uh, you know, we don't quite get all of the uh, sports stars coming up this way. We usually have to travel, travel down there. Although my son would like to tell you that we, you know, that we've had uh, that we should get curry up here every other weekend. <laughs> but when you go on the road, though, are, are you hanging? Who do you hang out with? Uh, my film crew, I, I don't, uh, it, it goes kind of, kind of fast and furious. You know, we go from, I'll fly out of here. We live, like I said, Northern California. We'll fly out of here, get into, say, Philadelphia. I'll leave here at four. I was just there with Michael Rubin at the one of the last NBA games before this all went down. But um, we flew out of here, left at four in the morning, got to Philly, I think, you know, 11 o'clock in the afternoon, shot all day into the evening, stay the night, shoot all day again, and then fly home. So it's not like it was in the old days where I'd go into town and shoot a couple shows, stick around for a day, shoot a couple shows, stick around. Then I had a little bit more playtime. Now, now the schedule's not as permitting, so I don't get it. But, but I did have a great – Michael and I did go to a great 76ers game and sat on the floor, and that's kind of like when everything was unfolding uh, during this you know, difficult time. And as a matter of fact, I was leaving from Philly that night on my way to Hawaii to go shoot more Triple D. And, well, of course, that didn't happen. So I've been home since. What was the – car that you almost picked to use on diners, drive-ins, and dives besides the uh, Camaro? Was there a second choice? So when we started the show, we did a pilot, and the pilot was like seven. We drove seven different cars, and the producer just went to car clubs and said, hey, we're doing the show that's going to involve, you know, old cars and diners and this, you know, even before we really had designed what the show was like. So these car clubs would let me borrow their car. So I drove some really cool, a couple of really nice Dodges. I even did drive a Ford. I'm not a Ford guy. I'm a, I'm a Chevy guy. Uh, and when we got done doing the show, the, we got picked up. He says, okay, so what car do you think we should drive in the show? And I said, that's 67 Camaro we drove. That's, you know, 
and a, that car. He went and got that car. So we used that car for a couple of years, and then I finally went and built the 68 that we use now. But uh, no, it had to be Chevy. There was no, and it had to be convertible so we could shoot. Yeah. Because a lot of times the camera's in the car with me, and we need the light and we need the height for the uh, for the camera. I'm giving but you all my inside info. Is that your car? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. How much? Six, it's, it's a 68 RS SS, so Rally Sport Super Sport. Um, it's got a, uh, it's got a 502 big block, uh, Tremec five speed is a rotisserie car. So it's, it's fully gone through. My brother had a 69 rally sport in the same color as yours. So whenever I see yours, I always think of my brother's red convertible rally sport. Uh, and that was a great car. That was beautiful. I mean, you, your brother, does he still have it? No, he sold it. Oh, I'm going to tell you, if you know how many people have walked up to me going, when I was in high school, I had the. Do you still have it? No. <laughs> no. But, I mean, but everybody. No. You end up getting the car that you couldn't get in high school, it feels like, right? And you could have bought the car. I mean, to get the Super Sport package on a Camaro was like. Because I have a couple of Chevelles also that are Super Sports. And the pack. It was the engine package was a, was a bigger deal. But, uh, yeah, no, I see so many people that come up. And you can really see it, especially some of the, the old-timers will look at it and they'll kind of give me this. I had one of these. <laughs> one time I went, and the story always kind of unfolds. So He's uh, Guy Fieri, uh, Diners, Drive-Ins, and Dives. Uh, explain what you're doing with uh, the restaurant workers here. Well, listen, I've been in the restaurant business my whole life. This is all I've ever done, you know, is do restaurants and uh, – the TV thing kind of came after that, which I was, I really appreciate the, the opportunity. Um, but I'm a chef, I'm a, I'm a cook, I'm a, I've owned restaurants, all, all sides of it. So when this happened, when we got this hit, uh, I knew with the tens of thousands of restaurants that were being closed, we were going to have ourselves into a situation where we were going to uh, just have so many people without jobs. And I'm thinking like, what can I do to help? Like, I mean, go buy gift certificates, which is a great way to do it. But I'm thinking like on a national level. So I call the National Restaurant Association Educational Foundation because they're the ones that take money in and then help get money out. They know how to, how to handle the, the deals. I said, what if I start sending out these videos to these presidents of companies that interact with the restaurant, or interact with the restaurant business? Long story short, sending out videos to you name it, to Pepsi, to Uber Eats, to Coke, to, you know, to anybody that had some direct connection and people started sending money and i think uh just as last night we were up to about 21.5 million that's so awesome. 21.5 million 100 of the proceeds go directly to the employees there's no administration fee or any of that kind of stuff and the beauty of it is is we're giving out 500 grants and the website if people want to check it out to make a donation or to try to sign up for one of the grants is rerf.us that's restaurant employee relief fund.us but uh, we're making, I mean, listen, it's a terrible situation. We're trying to make some impact and just show the, the people that have been serving us for all these years that the community is there and, and, and trying to help serve them. No, well, it's great stuff. Um, you know, more serious question. Who does your hair? Well, you, I, you act like you don't know because it's the same stylist you have. So I don't even know why I would be joking about <laughs> Does your wife do but, it or do you do it or somebody else? Well, it's, I don't know that guys are supposed to ask each other that, but I know that <laughs> I, have, I don't know why we're going through this. I, guy, no, guy, I built a career off great hair, so it, this comes from a good place, okay? And, and that's why I followed, that's why I followed <laughs> I will tell you, though, during this, during this pandemic, we've been shooting, and matter of fact, we're getting ready to do it this afternoon. I'm here at my house in, uh, in the wine country, and, uh, 
and we're doing, we're shooting diners, drivers, and dives uh, in our kitchen or in our patio kitchen. And my sons are running the cameras. My youngest son's setting up the GoPros. My oldest son is my co-host and, and kind of my producer. And my wife's doing the makeup. And uh, I said, you know, I thought it was a common thing. Like, well, honey, you know, you just touch me up a little bit because I don't look that great, you know. And I said, I got raccoon eyes. And she's like, and looks at me crazy. I'm like, you do your makeup. She goes, that's not doing your makeup. Though. You, know? <laughs> you, got a, you got a little bit of a learning curve around here. Yeah. But you know, a buddy, a buddy of mine does. Uh, my buddy of mine owns a big salon, and so oh, okay. He, he does it, so. Yeah. Uh, what's the most overrated food? Fast food. Fast food's <laughs> overrated. I, I think you know what it is, and and I mean this is really the truth. I, I think there's some good fast food. Don't get me wrong. And I think at four in the morning, when you shouldn't be eating, there's there's yeah. some you know that it fills a spot. But I think like eating a burger. You know, if you're gonna eat a burger, eat a really righteous burger. I mean, like eat a great burger. Eat a burger they didn't freeze the meat. Eat a burger that they fresh baked the buns. Eat a burger that they give it some some respect and some integrity. But I think that this stuff of just you know, coat anything in batter and fry it. Don't get me wrong. It has its place. But I think that if you're going to take on the calories and you're going to take on the carbs and you're going to go, you know, maybe give yourself, uh, you know, if you're going to eat a slice of pizza, eat some really good pizza. We got a lot of great pizza in New Haven. You know, not very far oh, from here. That, that I mean, like Pizza Capital. You don't think I all my all my agents from WME, you know, from William Morris and Denver that all live up in that area on a regular basis are explaining to me how easy it is to get on the train coming up to New Haven. <laughs> but uh, and I had cousins that lived in the area, and I remember it being a kid from California, um, where we had just ours was just kind of you know back in the seventies was kind of just you know, hippie pizza, where I lived at least, uh, when I went there and they had peaches this big and the slices were, you know, you were eating paper plates. I'm like, you know, I say to my cousins, I'm like, let's, every day let's have pizza. You know, it was that good, really thin. We didn't, you know, we didn't get a lot of that. What kind of workout regimen do you, because I watch, you know, usually Friday, it's like all day, all night, diners, drive-ins and dives. And I'm going, you got to have a good workout regimen. I actually, uh, it's something that I really enjoy. It's actually something I really enjoy the most. I love to hike. I'm a big outdoors guy. So to me, going for a hike, we have a big park behind uh, behind our house. And then we have a ranch, 500-acre uh, ranch. So I spend a lot of time hiking and mountain biking. And then when it rains, I have my uh, buddy of mine got me a Peloton treadmill, um, which don't ever say, I mean, I'll tell you something. I'm embarrassed I even say it. But i got to be honest, it does push me. You know, I don't necessarily listen to all the classes and the people talking to me, but it does when the, you know, when the, the schedule changes, it does make you push a little bit farther. I, I haven't run this much in my life. I'm usually like an incline hiker guy, but, um, I, and that I just try to watch what I eat. I mean, I don't. But how much every- will you gain if you go out for a two day trip? Like how much, I mean, I look, I watch when you take the extra bite because of course you want to be nice to the person that you're in their kitchen. You never go one bite. I'm done. You always go, you double down though. I give you credit guy. You double down, you go bite. Oh man, that's good. You go one more time to give them the ultimate compliment. So I watch the show, but I don't have to watch all of your show because I have a buddy in mine named Millie and Daniel. Matter of fact, he texted me yesterday and said, you're going to be on the show tomorrow, aren't you? I go, how do you know this? He says, oh, because I I, I, I took the tease. There's some analytics. I, so this buddy of mine, Millie, might watch your show more than you watch Triple D. But you're right. You got the insight there. I'll give you I'll give you the creds on that. Okay. Um, 
there's a difference between liking something and loving something. Okay. And I never, you'll never see it on the show if I don't like it. So if I don't like it, sometimes things get set down. We turn the camera off and we just say, okay, let's revisit this. Let's figure out how we're going to do this. Cause this isn't, I'm not sending a bunch of people here to have this, whatever we just had. <laughs> um, and that really is the truth. I mean, I don't have any, as a chef, I don't, last thing I want you to do is walking up to me going, dude, I went all the way there and it sucked. Um, which I've had people say, and I say this to them. I'm sorry, I'm all over the board, but people. I had a lady come. I'm doing a demo. I'm in. Uh, I'm in uh, DC. I'm doing a demo. 2,500 people. I'm up there. And I'm cooking and I'm talking. And we put the open mic for people to ask questions while I'm cooking. And this lady says, "Hey, I I went to this place in um, in Long Beach that you went to, and it was horrible." <laughs> I said, "Horrible." <laughs> I said, "What did you have?" She said, "I had the 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 the." The pancakes with the blueberry sauce and the da 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 da. And I go, ma'am, I didn't, I didn't have pancakes with blueberry sauce. I think I had a guacamole burger. She goes, oh yeah, I had the guacamole burger too. It was delicious, <laughs> but the pancake sucked. I go, lady, I'm not guaranteeing everything that I, you know, that I try is fantastic. So anyhow, back to the thing. Um, no, I don't gain any weight. Do you, do you have a bucket? I, not, I heard that you, you might have a bucket underneath you that you don't. Oh, God, no. You eat. You. No. you okay. If, if I take the bite, if I take the bite, I finish the bite. Okay. Now, there's no, I don't play the games. I don't. And I do know because like I did some commercials. I did some TV, uh, some commercials for some restaurants back in the day. And we, we would be there and they're like, here's the spit bucket. And I'm like. I, I, it just doesn't feel right. You know, I, I couldn't do it. So anyhow, no, I've never been, I, I, I'm not going to say the words I was just going to say, but no, I don't spit the food out. So it's um, what she's, what you get. He's uh, the mayor of Flavortown. How many people live in Flavortown, by the way? You know what? I meet citizens on a regular basis and they send me wedding invitations and graduation invitations and their kids, are, their kids in Eagle Scout, you know, you get all the same stuff there. You have the residents. I, I see all these, I, I see all the uh, constituents that you have there on our call. Um, good dudes, by the way, which I always love the banter. The banter is my favorite part. As soon as I see somebody else come on the screen, I'm like, all right, here it comes, smack top, let's go. Someone's gonna fire back at the boss, you know? You, but you don't get that on diners, drive-ins and dives. You can't really, have like you'll have uh, you'll have a special guest sometimes but you need to have somebody who really jabs you a little bit i think oh i i have it all the time i just edit them out i don't need anything <laughs> uh, no i have my kid i have my son hunter hunter's 23 just graduated from unlv um 1990 running reps thank you um that's where i went to school also but um hunter just graduated so i have him on the show with me quite a bit and he's a he's a top notch smart ass, you know. He gets his little jabs in here and there. And then the youngest one, Ryder, who's fourteen, he's also starting to take on the profession of being, you know, of, of running his mouth, um, which are both funny. I love. I mean, listen, that's. I think that's what keeps us going and keeps us moving and keeps us sharp on our game. Plus, I have a whole crew. I've got twenty people that shoot triple D. We have two teams that are going, you know, all the time, and uh, and they're. <laughs> You don't make a, you don't say a wrong line or drop something on the floor or uh, have, you know, some mustard running down your cheek without them going, you know, giving it to you. Hey, it's great to talk to you and uh, continue to uh, entertain us. And you're doing a great thing. It's R-E-R-F dot U-S, us, uh, raising uh, $21 million that will be paid out in grants, the National Restaurant Association Educational Foundation. He's Guy Fieri. 
And uh, thank you, Guy. We appreciate your time. Love the show. Thank you so much for having me, guys. All right. We'll take a break. See, we figured out how to pronounce Guy Vieri. I would have loved if Guy said Guy. Oh, you want to know how to pronounce my name? It's Guy. All right. We'll take a break. Back after this on The Dan Patrick Show. Thanks for listening to The Dan Patrick Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday morning, 9 until noon Eastern, 6 to 9 Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. And you can find us on the iHeartRadio app at FSR, or stream us live every day at youtube.com slash the Dan Patrick Show. That was fun. Yeah, I'm a Triple D fan. I can't cook, but I admire those who can and what they do, different chances they take. I, can, I was also wondering about this earlier in the show, and I just got around to uh, bringing it up. What if the Chiefs had hired Eric Bieniemy instead of Matt LaFleur? You're bringing in the Chiefs' style of offense instead of the... Sean McVay and Brian Shanahan system. That would have been more to Aaron Rodgers' liking than what they have now. And I'm curious to see how the next two years are going to play in Green Bay because I, I just can't imagine, I can't imagine this lasting, that Aaron's going to go, hey, this is the kind of quarterback that I'm going to be. You know, Drew Brees has had to accept that he's not the Drew Brees of a couple of years ago. They're just not. And, but Aaron is still able to be Aaron Rodgers. He doesn't throw interceptions. Right? Doesn't throw him. And he still had a, like, he had a bad year through for 4,000 yards and threw 26 touchdowns and four interceptions. That's a bad year for him. That's amazing. All right. A couple of phone calls in here. Uh, Greg in Illinois. Hey, Greg, what do you have for me? Hey, DP Packer fan in Bear Country. Um, I get the criticism of the Packers draft, uh, both sides of it, but I have a question for you, kind of a long term thing here. When Rodgers does retire, do you think he will be given the benefit of the doubt from the same critics, the people who are criticizing the organization, if he only ends up with one championship? Probably not. Probably not. Um, and, and nobody said it's fair, and thanks for the phone call, because we look at championships. You know, the Packers are going to have – they have 28 years right now invested. 28 years invested in two quarterbacks, Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. Two of the top 10 quarterbacks of all time, and they have two Super Bowls. Two Super Bowl wins to show for it. That's not acceptable. This program brought to you by Mercedes-AMG. Be prepared for whatever comes your way. The all-new GT four-door coupe. Because life is a race. Visit your local dealership for a test drive today. If you missed any of our interviews this week or any week from the Mercedes-AMG Man Cave, go to the DP Show app. Watch and listen from inside the Mercedes-AMG Man Cave. Mercedes-AMG driving performance. Buck in Wisconsin joins us. Hi, Buck. How are you today? Doing good, Dan. Thanks for having me. 6'3", 215. Yeah, I uh, definitely understand the criticism of the Packers draft, and I don't understand why they drafted Jordan Love or necessarily agree with it, but... I do think the narrative with LaFleur and Rodgers feuding is uh, becoming exhausting and a little <laughs> bit forced, personally. I think that, uh, you know, judging on the, the success last year of going 13-3, and I know they had somewhat of an easy schedule, but they ran the ball more than they had in a couple of years past. Aaron Jones was the best player on the team. Um, so I just think that narrative is just a little bit forced nowadays. It but might be. It might be. Back yeah. Uh, thank you, Buck. Wow. But here's the thing. It's, it's Aaron Rodgers. And you're going to get the stories that are covered by the national media in this business have to do with what are the stories that will trend. That's what it comes down to. Something happens with Aaron Rodgers, you're going to bring it up. LeBron James, you're going to bring it up. 
you know, there's there's like five or six stories where or you know teams or coaches or players where you go, oh, the Cowboys always anything with the Cowboys, check the box. That's going to be mentioned. That's the formula. Well, right or wrong, but that's the formula. That's why more attention on Aaron Rodgers, because it's Aaron Rodgers. If LeBron James, LeBron James said he was on the verge of crying watching Michael Jordan win his first title. And then that start, started social media where people are saying, oh, look at LeBron trying to, you know, put himself into the Jordan documentary where I don't I didn't read it that way, but it's LeBron. Hey, the Cowboys had a great draft, but it won't be a great season unless Dak Prescott signs the long term deal. OK, so that's how the formula works here. Oh, I saw where uh, Eric Edmonds in California won the scoreboard challenge. Fritzy's scoreboard challenge has to do with 20 strikeouts. You got 32 and 20. 32 and 20. All right. So 20 is Roger Clemens striking out 20 Seattle Mariners on this day. In 1986, correct. 32. And the clue is get the whiff of them. So maybe the other one has to do with something baseball pitcher related. Well, I was going to go Sandy Koufax, but I don't know what he did on this day. I'll tell you, on 1981, and it involves a Philadelphia Philly. Oh, Steve Carlton. First lefty to strike out 3,000 batters, so jersey number 32, 32 and 20. That's where you get your scoreboard from Carlton's jersey and Clemens' 20 strikeouts. Paulie, this day in sports history. 1981, Dan, Steve Carlton of the Phillies became the first left-handed pitcher in the major leagues to get 3,000 career strikeouts. 1986, Roger Clemens of the Red Sox had 20 strikeouts versus wow, the Mariners. Wow, what a coincidence. Nailed that is it. fantastic. What a coincidence. What did you learn on today's program, Todd? Guy Fieri has Ken Stable and Evil Knievel signed photos in his office. That's pretty cool. McLovin, what did you learn today? Charles Barkley doubled down. We're going to do a show there and stay in the guest house. Yeah, I got to get out there. I think it'd be great to do a show or two shows from Charles Compound. Seton O'Connor Jr. the third. What did you learn? Guy Fieri has a one of those leg lamps from a Christmas tree yeah. up in his house. Did you guys notice that? I oh, did. Right over his shoulder. Yeah. I didn't notice the <laughs> full sizer. Yeah, yeah Paulie, yeah, what did you sizer. learn? Fragile, the lamp in the window. <laughs> what we learned brought to you by 1-800-Flowers. Right now, get 24 multicolored roses, $39.99. To order, go to 1-800-Flowers.com. Click on the radio icon. That's me. And enter the promo code PATRICK. Enter the code PATRICK. It's Mother's Day. 1-800-Flowers right now. Tell them we sent you. Talk to you tomorrow. One more item as we close out the show. Simply safe home security.